Hello, hello, and welcome to Hometown Daily, the new show powered by hometown.com. Go over, become a citizen, then run over to YouTube, follow us and subscribe there, ring the bell, leave a message, download the podcast, come back and hang out with us here at twitch.tv slash hometown every day around 8 p.m. But the only way to truly know is to follow us everywhere. Today is February 20th, 2024. It's season three, episode 51. We're going to be talking about Cornholio University, Penitentiary High School, blueberries, ancient language in hand, taking a bite out of Apple, powering Denmark, Swift Mode EV, you're the product, boink, but it's actually Bio Inc., straight to the heart, and high prices for heavy metals. That and more, including me and the AI in a website. Oh, oh. A website. See you on the other side. All right. I'm Airwatt. That's hometown.com. And up there is the visualizer for the sentient AI from the future AI. Good evening, hometown citizens. And the visualizer works. Yay. Uh, I'll be honest, I've been playing uh, Nightingale. I should have been doing more hometown stuff, but uh, no. It just dropped today. While I was doing mayoral duties, it dropped and I was in a meeting and so I downloaded the the game and, and purchased it uh, remotely. Yep. That's okay though. We're ready for today's show. We got all 10 of the articles all set up, ready to go. Are you ready to go? I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm not ready. First article is over in the uh, Mobile channel. I had to choose this. Um, I'm referring to this as Cornholio University. Colorado teens earn first ever Cornhole College scholarships <laughs> earlier this month. Gavin Hammond. This sounds in, like an Onion article. <laughs> it's not the Onion. Um, it's actually from The Hill, but uh, let's see what else here. Uh, Jackson Remick and Gavin Hammond, both students at Thunder Ridge High School in Highlands Ranch, Colorado, signed their letters of intent to play cornhole for Winthrop University in South Carolina. Hammond and Remick, both 17, are teammates and two-time American Cornhole League High School national champions. I guess for me to get something like this, I'd have to be part of the AARP type of league. The growth of cornhole is staggering. Mind-boggling would have been another choice, but okay. <laughs> I didn't even know there were leagues for it, and I certainly didn't know there were like collegiate leagues or high school leagues. I guess it's the less clangy version of horseshoes. And nobody's throwing around big, heavy metal objects. I guess I was thinking it's like the more grown-up version of beanbags. <laughs> well, that's exactly what it is, but basically, but you're throwing a beanbag into a cornhole 
the the amazing part about this is the only time I have ever really seen cornhole in in any way in the last two years plus is because I watch Good Mythical Morning now, and they right, do this exactly. <laughs> So from tur tournaments at local bars to broadcast television, the sport continues to bag it in. Now, sport is okay. I, I shouldn't yuck anybody's yum. It's actually fun to play. But if I could have won a scholarship. <laughs> well, I wouldn't have gotten much money, <laughs> but I don't have arms, so it's tough to play cornhole. See, I cannot play. Uh, horseshoes at the amateur level anymore because i actually won a competition that had a cash prize so i'm apparently considered a professional forever banned you uh, from amateur correct i i have to declare that i have won money and i'm a professional actually i'm not sure if that's the truth anymore but anyway oh my god do whatever you're doing the article is over at changing america these are the first ever scholarships given to cornhole in the U.S. <laughs> first. Ugh. Oh my goodness. I don't. Why? 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 Anyway, uh, and that's what I'm saying. Why about is the video that's playing at thehill.com on an article that's about cornhole. So, anyway. So much for backyard barbecues and tailgate parties. Two Colorado students have turned their cornhole skills into uh, college scholarships. Earlier this month, Gavin Hammond and Jackson Remick, both students at Thunder Ridge High School. Uh, go Ridgers. Uh, I have no idea what their motto is. Um, I was laughing so. at the cursor about why can't NFL players show their legs during games. <laughs> 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 yeah, I can't remember. Oh, uh, uh, what was the thing? Because uh, they're ugly. <laughs> because they're ugly. Essentially, yes. So, um, I never thought this is where Cornhole would take me, Remick said, after signing his letter of intent alongside classmates, signing scholarships. For such sports as football, baseball, and basketball, I've come a long way, and this is awesome. So there you go. Um, both Gavin Hammond there and Jackson Remick. I don't know who it is that's actually um, pictured throwing some body English into their cornhole throw. But I don't is know. It a is this like a cornhole signal or something like in baseball? That's not a they're that they're throwing the I think that might be a flag. Oh, up I there. thought they were making a signal but they're, or something. They're throwing the the beanbag or whatever you call it. I'm not sure what it's called. So they didn't just beat ten pros, Thompson said. Dusty Thompson believes Hammond and Remick are the first two foundational pieces for developing a powerhouse program at the university. I think it's amazing. First off, it's amazing. You know, it's no pressure, right? I mean, if the whole cornhole scholarship future is riding on these two people's shoulders. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah, no pressure. Hey, uh, we're spinning up a program and you two are going to be two of the four pillars. The <laughs> other pillars are going to be, I guess, the, the cornhole 
holes? I don't know. Anyway, they beat the world champion from last year and singles title winner. <laughs> I, uh, what makes you a good cornhole player? Like getting the beanbag in the hole? Yeah, basically. And, <laughs> and nixing the other person. Because a person can get um, hit like the rim. And if you throw your beanbag, I'm not sure what they're actually called. I, it's such a fun game to play that I can't, I, I just wouldn't feel compelled to be competitive at it to the point where it would be a scholarship level kind of thing. But like you can throw your beanbag and hit somebody else's beanbag so it can't go in the hole and you, you know, win because of that. Uh, but you can pull and other people. they are people's. called beanbags, by the way, oh, by they? the Cornhole okay. Association. You'd figure that they'd come up with their own lexicon, you know. I guess it is what it is. I mean, a horseshoe is a shoe. Great exposure for the college program and the extra benefits that come along are awesome. awesome. So good on them. I mean, if you do what you love, no day is actually work. So let's keep going, though. And before I do that, let me throw it into the chat. It'll be part of the show notes. Yesterday's episode is late going out, but it'll get out. So get out. Um, yep. Uh, so um, the next article's over in Hometown Daily. Unruly High School asks Massachusetts National Guard to restore order. Okay, I'm not sure which is crazier, the cornhole scholarships or this. Uh, this, this has to be, I mean, at least the cornhole scholarships are, uh, sports related, academically motivating, um, peaceful, unless you get beamed in the head because somebody's angry and, but this, I mean, I'll be honest, my high school, they, when I left high school, they put razor, not barbed wire, razor wire, like the stuff that the military uses pointing in to keep all of us hey. <laughs> maybe that was the precursor to this article they they knew that the moment that my generation left all hell was breaking loose literally it's like a buffy the vampire slayer hell mouth in there officials have asked governor maura healy to send in the Na- massachusetts national guard to quell violence and address security concerns at a troubled high school in the city of or the city south of boston or in a city south of boston which you would think would be boston itself but no apparently it's right about sprawling enough <laughs> the and the thing about that okay so i've decided that i'm going to rename this high school uh it should either be renamed to unruly high school because if it's in the name, if it's actually called Unruly High School, asks Massachusetts National Guard, then it's okay. I mean, it's in the name, right? But I think that it's some other high school and they should change the name to either Unruly High School. So again, it's in the name or Penitentiary High School. Wow. I'm not quite sure. That's going to attract a, a certain type of yeah. student. Right? So it's a magnet school, but the magnet is just dragging really bad students in there. I mean, but everybody's just misunderstood. You know, you need a hug and some encouragement opportunity. You know, if they were borderline at that school, 
I'm going to go out on a limb here. Calling in the National Guard is not going to exactly endear good behavior from the students. <laughs> really? Um, oh, check your audio again, please. So, um, officials have asked Governor Mara Healy to send in the Massachusetts National Guard to quell violence and address security concerns. Again, now we've got additional names, by the way. So, Troubled High School could be the name of it. Unruly High School. It's in Brockton, Mass. Uh, let's see here. Oh, it's Brockton School. Um, four of the seven members of the Brockton School committee backed the national guard request amid teacher shortages and de uh, budget deficits but the city officials weren't unanimous in their support wait a second do they want the national guard to teach the classes <laughs> sure um let's see what do they say here we're not asking them to deploy the whole army at our school we're asking for support if you support safety in our schools, you will support the National Guard to come in here and keep our schools safe. <laughs> You've already lost this game and you might as well just shut it all down and restart. Just restart. Who, who the hell is going to this school that is, why is this so systemic that it's exactly or I, what did this school committee meeting go like? Oh, like, everybody showed up in body idea. armor. <laughs> All of the parents started yelling at each other and hitting each other with chairs and stuff. Where, how, what is going on in this school? What is the... I'm just, I'm really, I'm flabbergasted. It talks Somewhere. about fighting and drug use. I think that's kind of common in a lot of high schools, but I don't know what the degree is. Uh, apparently the degree is in math or something. I'm not sure what. Oh, you're talking about the the level, the intensity. The severity. The severity. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't know. I thought maybe. There aren't scholarships for math like cornhole. <laughs> maybe that's what they need. More cornhole. I think if you were to offer that in a school where they're about to bring in the National Guard, you'd probably be stuffed into a cornhole. That's quite possible. And you know how we solve all of this school's woes? We bring in competitive cornhole. And immediately. <laughs> how badly can that go? <laughs> I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs> Especially if there's violence. <laughs> 500 bean bags uh, would smack somebody in the forehead. All right, let's keep going. Uh, the next article is over in Technology Today. Why are blueberries blue? It's because it's a seasonal depression. They're sad. I mean, there is a thing about winter blues. It's true. It's true. Blueberries know that winter is coming, so they're not going to be able to be in season, and so they bow out, and they're blue. They That's just how it works. Because if you look at them all during summer, they're green. That is true. Researchers at the university, and they were, when they're green, they're good. Hey, we love it here. Woo. And then well, they that's because they still get to stay on the bushes. That's right. And then somebody says, sorry, winter's coming. It's right around the corner. We're going to have to pick you. And they go blue. Oh, we're sad now. Oh. Researcher, but the reality of this is completely different because SciTech Daily is where the article is housed. 
Researchers at the University of Bristol have discovered that tiny external structures within the wax coating of blueberries are responsible for their blue color. But they're blue throughout. They're not this no, they're blue not. on the outside. Oh, no, just their skin. <gasps> oh, no, they're right. They're kind of almost like not quite like a, a white, but like a, yeah. Yeah, they're like, like a, a neutral. Grape. Yeah. Kind of interesting, That's right. huh? <laughs> So University of Bristol put together this uh, document, this uh, post? Article. Article, thank you. Uh, over at SciTechDaily.com. Hey, we don't edit, by the way. So you know that everything we say, everything we do, 100%. Including different. accidents by critters in the background, you know. Researchers at the University of Bristol have discovered that tiny external structures within the wax coating of blueberries are responsible for their blue color. This applies to a lot of fruits that are the same color, including damsons, which I've never heard of, sloes, which is part of gin, I think, uh, and juniper berries. Uh, in the study published today at Science Advances, apparently a little bit slowly towards discovering the color of blueberries, Science advances, get it? Science advances slowly towards the discovery of blueberries. Yeah, exactly. Um, that would be a good study to be part of. Well, I would, uh, yeah, I would sacrifice myself. Let me taste a blueberry. Let me study a blueberry. Research a blueberry. I'm researching this one with my taste buds. Uh, researchers show why blueberries are blue, despite the dark red color of the pigments in the uh, fruit skin, which I didn't realize were actually... I know that the green turns to towards a reddish color before it turns blue. Um, but it says their blue color is instead provided by a layer of wax that surrounds the fruit, which is made up of miniature structures that scatter blue and UV light. This gives blueberries their blue appearance to humans and blue UV to birds. And then those little peckers come and eat my crop, but that's okay. <clears throat> the chromatic blue UV reflectance arises from the interaction of the uh, randomly arranged crystal structures of the epicuticular, sorry, epicuticular, um, from the interaction of the randomly arranged uh, crystal structures of the epicuticular wax with light. There you go. <sighs> that one was tough. It's very interesting. So this is what it looks like when you're down to five microns. And I suppose, I, I don't know. What is the, where is that refraction taking place? Diagram showing how wax structure reflect light. But is it in the outer, on the outer edge or is it inside that skin? If I, because if I wipe away this outer coating and get down to just the skin, like this little dusty kind of protective coating, it's still blue as can be. So it has to be part of the skin itself. Yeah, this is really odd. And I wonder what the blue advantage is. Like maybe that's for purposes of pollination or something. Uh, birds probably eating it up and getting the seeds and, and going somewhere. Um, most plants are coated in a thin layer of wax, which has multiple functions, many of which scientists still don't understand, but they know, um, that it can be very effective as a hy hydrophobic self-cleaning coating, which is the stuff that we see, I think, 
but you can wipe it away and it it's not it doesn't turn red or green or whatever it's still a blue blueberry right you know that that's be... why that doesn't make a lot of sense uh, now the team plans to look at easier ways of recreating the coating and applying it this could lead to a more sustainable biocompatible and even edible uv and blue reflective paint you know i think we have enough evidence that eating paint chips is bad Furthermore, these True. coatings could have a, the same multiple functions as natural biological ones that protect plants. So interesting. So I guess I it's always a little like when they do a study about something that's been around for a long time. And Maybe it's like, how do they get the funding to do that study? And why is that suddenly of interest? Yeah, I mean, somebody wakes up one day and says, I really like blueberries. Now, what are the ones? Uh, what are the ones that are the ball that are have the cranberries? Now, do cranberries? That's right. Maybe you work your way through all the berries. I'll test the cranberry ones too because I like cranberries. So uh, the next article is over in Hometown Daily. Mysterious ancient language revealed on bronze hand from twenty one hundred years ago. Uh, I love this kind of stuff. The artifact may help unravel the origins of the most enigmatic language still spoken in Europe today with the possible link to Basque. That's cuneiform, so I'm not quite sure what they're talking about on this one, uh, but that video it's must not, not related, have... I don't yeah. think. Yeah. So Aristos Giorgio is the author of this article. A bronze hand from 2100 years ago has revealed rare evidence of a mysterious ancient language with researchers determining the inscription is the oldest and longest example of Vasconic to date. I've never even heard of Vasconic. A team of researchers analyzed the artifact found at the site of an Iron Age hill fort known as Irulega, sorry, Irulegi in Navarre, northern Spain, uh, for a newly published study. Am I mispronouncing that? No, it's southern. Oh, no, it isn't. I misread something on there. I think I saw the Spain and thought it was southern. <laughs> uh, get out. Um, for a, a newly published study in the journal Antiquity, and also suggested the words written on it could be linked to modern-day Basque, which I think is absolutely fascinating. So this is, wait, wait, it's an it's a bronze hand. Is it though? Just because it is shaped like I a hand. I think it is, but right. It could be anything, right? That's interesting, right? So Vasconic was, spo was spoken by pre-Roman people known as the Vascones, who once inhabited the Western Pyrenees in an area that corresponds primarily to modern-day Navarre, as well as parts of Spanish regions of La Rioja and Aragon. That's interesting. This is like the second article in as many days talking about Aragon. I know. It's kind of strange. And as uh, one of only a few examples of it, the inscription offers fascinating insights into one of Europe's most under least understood uh, ancient languages. Um, there's more in this article, but I want to see why they think that it's a, a bronze hand. And not just I know. Something... I wonder if they have something else, um, like they've decoded writing and they know that this means a hand or something. 
because see what they're holding here in the in this picture is they say a bronze hand found at the Irulegi uh, hill fort site in Navarre, Spain. The artifact, which dates to around 2100 years ago, features an inscription of a rare ancient language a study has found. But that doesn't look like a hand to me. It just looks like something that is rectangular in shape, squarish with five little metal. It looks like a crown or something to me, if it has to be something. But I wonder if how it was situated, you know, in the in the ground, right? Okay, that looks a little more like a hand. Yeah, but a hand isn't shaped that way. There isn't a like if that's a hand, look at your pinky, right? Let's say there's four fingers. They're not all the same. And that little one over there on the end is supposed to be your thumb. I don't know. They're not all the same length. This is, but yours is not. And your pinky is definitely not your longest finger. Right? I don't know. That's correct, but we don't know. It's interesting. Um, the article actually has a, a little bit more. Well, not a little bit, a lot of more, a lot of more. It's a lot of more, a lot of, a lot of data. Uh, regarding this find, uh, unearthing this exceptional object has brought significant advances in archaeological and linguistic worlds, but it has also opened up many new questions. One of which for me is, is that really a hand? I, I don't know. It's, they don't describe it as being, they just say in combination right, with the inscription, this indicates that the bronze hand was an important object for the settlement's residents. What indicates it's a hand? They say that a, they have an, a, a picture, an illustration showing how and where the bronze hand was likely displayed. It was just nailed to a beam inside the kitchen. Does that make any sense? No. Especially if that was like the only adornment in the whole structure i don't like the use of believe when it comes to research we believe that it was this they believe it was a good luck charm or is was dedicated to a pre-roman deity all right yeah all right well you can follow the link uh read more about it and if it piques your curiosity then uh do some due diligence, run around, find some information, come back and show us what for and how to, I tell you. We'll, we'll talk about it some more. Um, maybe I can find some more information about this, but this video has at the top of the Newsweek article has nothing to do with it because <laughs> this is cuneiform and that's not what we're talking about here. Okay. Uh, the next article is over in Smack Talk. Pair found guilty of trying to defraud Apple of more than $3 million. I titled this one Taking a Bite Out of Apple. <laughs> uh, $3 million. They make more in interest in less than a, what, a week. Right, Doing I was going to say that is not a lot of Vision Pros. Yeah. I, no, it's like three, right? Two individuals hatched a scheme that involved submitting fake iPhones to Apple for repair in an attempt to get them replaced with real ones and could be jailed for 20 years. 
for doing so. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Let's go over to Apple Insider. Amber Neely is the source. Uh, Heoshin Sun and Peng Fai Zhu, residents of Germantown, Maryland, were found guilty by a federal jury. Wow, it went to a federal jury on Tuesday for attempting to defraud Apple of millions of dollars worth of iPhones. They were convicted of the mail, I bet. Uh, and uh, interstate commerce, I suppose, and conspiracy to commit mail fraud and mail, uh, not just conspiracy, but conspiracy to commit mail fraud and mail fraud, <laughs> which you'd think conspiracy to commit mail fraud would include mail fraud. I mean, it's kind of in the name, but which are serious offenses carrying maximum sentences of 20 years in prison. They probably won't see 20 years, but, um, so between 2017 and 2019, all these cases from pre-pandemic, that other case that we were talking about was pre-pandemic mail fraud as well. That's right. I wonder if those are all slowed down because of the pandemic. So yeah, they would get counterfeit devices from Hong Kong and mailed them to UPS uh, mailboxes in the Washington DC metropolitan area. Then they submitted fake phone iPhones with spoofed serial and IMEI numbers uh, to both retail and uh, authorized service centers. Evidence showed that they submitted more than 5,000 inauthentic phones, which would have caused a loss of more than $3 million. Wow. I mean, this is a major operation, right? This isn't somebody going in with one fake phone. Yeah, and this is the second mail fraud related, um, n- not just investigation, but um, conviction. Conviction, yeah, of this scale. The other one was like two point four million dollars. This is three. Right. The other one was um, claims about damaged packages that weren't yeah. actual packages and that weren't were actually damaged. Around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Pretty amazing. Just stop it, people. Go do something good with all of that creative energy. You and your damn idle hands. Go, go do stuff. Touch grass. Get out there. Uh, the next article is over in the Mobile Channel. Ozempic and Wigovi sales are hot. They're so hot that they are powering Denmark's GDP. This is pretty amazing. A new class of weight loss drugs hasn't simply expanded the profits of pharmaceutical companies. It's the same company, by the way. It's also oh, that makes expanded, both products. Yeah. Um, expanded uh, economies, I believe. Uh, soaring demand for Ozempic and Wigovi used to treat diabetes and obesity uh, bolstered Denmark's gross domestic product by 2% last year or last quarter. Sorry. You can't get these products, by the way. It seems to be. Uh, I mean, you can't pay more to get them. You just cannot get them. Even if you've gotten a batch, trying to get another batch is seemingly impossible. Without a boost from the pharmaceutical industry making the popular weight loss drugs, the country's GDP in 2023 would have shrunk. Bruce Gill over at QZ.com or Quartz um, put the article together. New class of weight loss drugs. So Danish government agency statistics, Denmark, Denmark, um, reported in a preliminary reading that the pharmaceutical industry was a driving force for the nation's growing economy. 
Um, I don't know if they're actually going to make, do they name it? Novo Nordisk. There you go. Um, leading the growth is Denmark's based Novo Nordisk, which makes diabetes medication Nozempic and weight loss drug Wagovi. Um, they're actually both used for the same purpose because if you lose a lot of weight, then you'll pull yourself away from diabetes. And if you take a drug that is designed for diabetes, you lose weight. And well, that's I'm, why I was surprised they were by the same company because they seem like they'd be competition, but I understand those are different niches. Uh, but they're essentially the same. So if you sign up for Ozempic, you could move over to Wigovi. You could actually move over to others as well, but they're not made by the same company. These two apparently have the least side effects um, and are the, I always joke saying nom de guerre, they are the go-to, the flavor of the day uh, because there is another drug, but all of this brand of, not brand, but this category of drug have the potential to cause thyroid cancer, um, which was found in, in mice, but hasn't been shown to appear in humans, but they always preclude it. Um, here, we're going to give you this uh, prescription, but you might get thyroid cancer. Um, Scott, skyrocketing sales of these drugs have made Novo, Novo Nordisk the most valuable company in Europe, surpassing luxury conglomerate LVMH last year pretty amazing so i mean pharmaceuticals i guess are where it's at right and in, in profits well and with the united states being generally overweight ozempic and wigovi are the go-to's um and so when you try and uh, sign up for this. Oh, they even mention it. Eli Lilly sold 176 million of the weight loss drug Zetbound in just four weeks. Why? Because Ozempic and Wagovi are so damn hard to find. Now Zetbound is um, impossible to find. And it is substantial weight loss. The health benefits seemingly are miraculous. Um, in all of these, Zetbound was the big hit. And then Novo Nordisk dropped Ozempic and Wagovi. Um, so there's more to this, but hey, let's face it. Booming sales of Wagovi and Ozempic have led to Novo Nordisk becoming one of the first pharma companies to reach a market cap of $1 trillion. But as long as they keep their uh, medication under... Uh, limited product, uh, limited production, artificially scarce and insurance companies apparently want you to have diabetes because they don't cover Ozempic and Wagovi. You basically get stuck with people who are hoping to lose a bunch of weight using the drug, but can't keeping them from diabetes, willing to pay the non-insured rate close to $1,500 a month just for the drug and you have to do it once a week um telling you they can make a trillion dollars easy simply by saying well we we just can't make more and the rate would the price would shoot up because of supply and demand um now there are people that are on the black market selling knockoff versions of it that can pretty much yeah put you in the hospital we talked about this yeah we saw ago. that in another article here yeah. 
Um, but it works. And so what, what needs to happen is this needs to be produced more. Um, now I would support the government funding this local production so that it can be made um, because the overall benefit to society is a lower weight of population. Any lower burden on the healthcare system? Everywhere, yeah. But why would the healthcare system want a healthy population? Come on. Don't be absurd. You can't be a billionaire if everybody's healthy. Uh, the next article is over in hometown daily. These China, this Chinese EV can shake off snow like a puppy. Although I've titled this the, uh, swift mode EV. Shake it, shake off. it off. <laughs> uh, camouflage Neo ET nine shaking off snow is in a picture. That's going to be seen when we go over to business insider. And you know what? Let's just do that. So apparently this car can shake the snow off of itself. I imagine that it's, uh, it's, um, shock system. It's suspension can wiggle, um, so that <laughs> it dislodges the snow. Neo you says the maneuver you have to press the wiggle mode button to do that. Oh, there it is. Yeah, that's exactly what it does. It basically just flings itself back and forth, but come on. I guess it helps take some of the snow off, but you're still going to have to chisel the ice off of your windows. Right. And you might have to dig out of any snow glaciers or whatever near your car. Yeah. Snow just neatly piles up on your car and (laughs) enough that you I mean, if I live in an outdoor, if I don't have indoor parking and I live in a snowy climate, this might be pretty appealing. Nora, Nora Naughton over at Business Insider put this article together. It's called the Neo ET9 EV. Um, the ET9 is about a year away. It is a Chinese EV company called Neo. It really does do what it says it does. It shakes like a puppy to clear large chunks of snow off the windshield roof rear window. In just a few seconds, it says. But you still have to get into your car. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe you can do it remotely. Huh? The maneuver is the work of a $112,000 ET9's intelligent chassis system known as Skyride. The system integrates steer by wire, rear wheel steering, and a fully active suspension to deliver smooth rides on even the most complex road conditions, Neo says. But I'd like to see it in a crash test to see if you're completely ejected from the car or if you end up in the glove box. I just don't know. Um, so I don't care what its tricks are. If that old dog still just ends up me getting killed in it, I don't, I don't want it. So, okay. Uh, the ET nine is currently available for pre-order in China with deliveries set to begin in the first quarter of 2025. The puppy shake isn't the first maneuver borrowed from the animal kingdom. GMC's electric Hummer also has a crab mode that allows the truck to drive diagonally like a crab. Really? Did you have to say crab mode so it can drive diagonally like a crab? You had to say it. Uh, I'm being crabby. Let's keep going. I think it's a neat trick. 
I, and what I really love is the idea of fully active suspension. The idea of fully active suspension is amazing because you can take a turn basically as fast as you want to, and it reads the road conditions and raises the outer tire and lowers the inner tire so that you can bank harder around a turn. Um, and it can react to bumpier roads and other conditions. I just, I love this. Um, I mean, I if it delivers on what it says, it could be quite good handling, but. Yeah, I don't know. $112,000. Either a house or a car. Oh, don't worry. Us poors aren't getting that car anytime soon. It's fine. I'm happy with hometown. Uh, the next article is over in the Warcrafters channel. This one I titled, uh, you're the product. So it's in the Warcrafters channel. I'm not really quite sure why I think it's cause, um, PC gamer is the source. Um, Reddit's set to rake in $60 million per year in a deal with an unnamed AI company to train future models on its 20 years worth of user generated content. It's 20 years worth of user generated content. Right. So what does that mean? You've already put that content out there and it's now part of us. And, and nowadays you're actually paying for the benefit because you, you can pay for, um, an account, yeah, you know, or you uh, are watching the ads, etc. <laughs> it's spectacular. This is really amazing stuff here. Um, if you've ever posted to Reddit, there's a good chance you're helping train the next generation of AI models with your own words, pictures, and memes because the company's selling access to its 20 years worth of content for a reported $60 million while closing down the API for apps that might have been adding to this, by the way, after they've been adding to this kind of shit birds. Um, they say, I mean, chances are you've already been used to train AIs given the Reddit's already featured pretty heavily in the training data for a bunch of different large language models and image generators, but at least now someone's getting paid for it. I think I, I love, I love PC gamers snark. Mm -hmm. It's one of the reasons why I like them. So, uh, Nick Evanson is the author over at pcgamer.com. Uh, the deck statement says in the eyes of AI, it would seem that nothing is ever truly yours once it's posted online, but that's how it is with everything. I mean, everybody uses everything. This article is talking about something that spawned from Reddit. That's actually also including something from Bloomberg. And it uh, talks about stuff that involves stable diffusion in chat GPT and AI in general. And I mean, so much of this is, is shared information and, and that's, this embodiment is unique and I'm grateful that um, there's somebody out there that's talking about this stuff uh, because I can't possibly talk about everything all the time. If you've ever posted to Reddit, then your work, whatever it is that your, your output is now going to be integrated into an AI. So you know what you do? You become a really crap human being because then the AI is going to be a really crap AI garbage in garbage out so go ham that's one approach <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Generative AI models such as ChatGPT and Stable Diffusion need to be trained on databases comprising hundreds of millions of images, books, video clips, music, and so on. Indeed. Uh, sometimes, and we are too, we are a product of everything that we consume. And sometimes it pops up subconsciously and sometimes we actually integrate it into our conscious responses. We learn and, and, uh, and feed off of each other. Um, but there's seldom any money handed over between the two bodies. Not so with Reddit, as it seems that they've entered into a deal. Um, Reddit hosts almost 20 years of posted content on its server. So whoever the AI firm is, it's picked up a veritable bargain, but it's $60 million per year. It's $5, or 5 million a month. I don't think that's cheap, but okay. But it's zeroing no, the, the friction between all that data and the AI. Well, isn't it compounding some of the issues with Reddit, right? I mean, Reddit benefits from all the user content. They never compensated the Redditors, etc. cetera. Um, right. Here's just another instance of benefiting off of all the users. Yeah, with zero thanks, zero compensation. But you know what? You should be grateful because we gave you a venue where you can be a little mini tyrant as a mod and shadow ban people or close down uh, people's uh, subreddits because that's what happened with me. Not a shadow ban, but um, with a recent, I created a subreddit for hometown and they shut it down, marking it as spam. Um, and, but I, uh, uh, up until I had an interest in, just putting hometown over on um reddit and i did that simply because of the the potential for users to find benefit in the sharing of hometown um i could couldn't really care less about the direct integration of anything into reddit um again i find that reddit is there's a ton of noise in reddit and i just i i I can't handle it. There, there's just too much noise. Um, I had a conversation with somebody today about that. Um, and they just said that they just scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll and ignore everything that they don't want. Um, and I'm like, you're, you it could takes be too spending. much time. Yes, exactly. That's exactly. I said, you could be spending so many hours filtering through noise to try and find the signal. Um, but it is what it is. Reddit is great for certain things if you have time to sift and find the gems that are in there. But I think um, people uh, like Nick uh, Evanson over at PC Gamer and others who mention Reddit, they have a whole bunch of feelers out there where people send them something going, hey, this is really fascinating. You know, you should write about this. Or they just talk to people that talk about something interesting on reddit and they don't have to filter through all of the chaos that it is um thousands upon thousands of subreddits that are just niche and for whatever reason they tag one of mine as being spam i'm the one that's running it it's not spam i'm actually providing the links to the show anyway not a big deal um but yeah, 
Reddit is set to rake in $60 million per year with a deal where you're not going to get jack shit. Uh, the next article is over in Constructagon. Uh, this is actually one of my uh, channels that I'm really interested in bringing to market because um, I love the idea of 3D printing, it being uh, streamlined and, and made easier. So if you ever want something, you basically push a button and a, like a replicator, it just appears. Right now it takes a long time. But this particular article is really interesting because it's researchers develop new bio ink to 3D print personalized heart on a chip devices. So if you want to do research and the particular research is focused on something regarding a specific genetic line, you can now 3D print a, a chip that you can do research with um, specific to that line. So researchers at the center, they are oh gosh, I can't pronounce it anyway. Um, CHU St. Justine, a think tank affiliated with the University de Montreal have developed a new bio ink optimized for 3d printing heart on a chip devices. The new 3d printable composite bio ink is said to accurate, accurately reflect the electrical activity, mechanical properties, and physiology of a human heart. So it doesn't have to be uh, just a generic heart on a chip. It can be personalized. Um, the article is over at 3dprintingindustry.com by Alex Tyrer Jones. Um, let's see here. The new 3D printed cardiac models could be used to help medical professionals gain a greater understanding of individual cases of heart disease and in the development of new cardiac related drugs. And that's the one heart disease is a, one of the leading killers, um, in the United States and around the world. It's typically having to do with, um, diabetes being overweight, um, in general nutrition and health, but, um, really heart disease is a huge, um, killer. The research team led by UDEM or UDEM um, pharmacology professor uh, Hauman Sovaji and a doctoral student Ali Musavi have published its findings in the latest edition of Applied Materials today. And there you go, is a little a ring-shaped 3D printed heart on a chip. Tiny little thing. That looks pretty fragile but it's pretty impressive if it does its job, right? The new 3d printer. And for those who are listening via the podcast, sorry for it being quiet there while we're talking about this, but <laughs> the, the minuscule size warranted our quieter voice. We kind of whispered that, Oh my gosh, look at that. <laughs> you know, like a little baby showing up somewhere and you kind of, Oh my gosh. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, it's really tiny. I would say that it's yeah, half the size of a typical uh, pinky nail. And it looks like it has like a little electrode on it in, in two different uh, spots. It's really interesting. Um, the new 3D printable bio ink is based on a, a photo cross linkable natural polymers gelatin methyl cryloil and alginate methyl crylate 
as well as an electroconduct, uh, sorry, electroconductive reduced graphene oxide nanomaterials. Uh, that is a lot. Um, it looks like it's completely transparent and has the materials, the, the multiple materials embedded within it. Um, so different cell types were also incorporated when 3D uh, printing the cardiac devices. This, these included neonatal rat cardiomyocytes, myocytes, cardiac fibroblasts, and HL1 cells. Um, there's a lot to this article um, to go over, but the interesting part about this thing is it says within the research project, the team utilized an automated high throughput 3d bioprinting process that saw the heart models produced in 12 well plates. It is hoped that this approach would increase the adoption of 3d printed cardiac devices in the medical sector. Um, so they're already kind of mass producing these things. Um, even in the lab, they're building multiples of them. Um, really interesting. Yeah. I, there's a lot in this article. I, I wish I could go into greater detail. The researchers believe that the 3D printed uh, brain tissue can provide an effective tool for modeling the neural network under physiological and pathological conditions and can also serve as an effective drug testing platform. So they're applying it even to uh, 3D printed brain um, tissue uh, research. And Exciting um, times. I mean, they're going to have some significant research breakthroughs with um, use of this kind of technology. Yeah, this is pretty amazing. So um, the article towards the end has that is that um, little segment about 3D printed brain tissue and others. Uh, University of Wisconsin-Madison is the one that did that. And uh, 3D printed heart will be sent to the International Space Station in 2025, where the heart's aging process can be studied as the organ ages 20 times faster in space than on Earth. What is it about space that causes someone to age 20 times faster? Uh, huh. I thought it was the um, radiation. Is it? I, I thought know. we've read that somewhere. Well, I mean, that's part of it. But that still seems like a, I mean, that's not slightly yeah. right, it, increased. Yeah. How can we send people out into space? knowing that they're aging 20 times faster. It's pretty amazing. Okay. We got one more article for today. And you know what? I didn't transition because how far back? By the way, microgravity is one of the things and then higher radiation levels are is another cause. Microgravity and radiation? are two causes of increased aging. Yeah. They might not be the only ones, but those are some of them. So, uh, sorry, I added the two other articles that were missing from um, the VOD, but they'll be in the show notes, so you always can get them. Um, and yesterday's episode is available over on YouTube right now, and it'll shortly be posted over um, to the podcast. Uh, the last article for tonight, though, is in Reality Hacker. Metal prices are sewing, are sewing, sewing, jeepers creepers. Metal prices are soaring 
so is metal theft um honestly i think the only reason why this was aggregated into reality hacker is because it comes from wired um, it's a multi-billion dollar global pro problem and in a rapidly electrifying world the profits and ease of stealing metals are only going to increase um so chris baron baraniak um baraniak or is that uk nope baraniak um put this article together for wired uh it says here something had gone wrong with the giant radio tower will Payne of Payne media group got an alert from his utility company in the middle of the night telling him as much we talked about this in another article another news source um it wasn't this week maybe the week before maybe longer i'm not sure when we talked about this i think it's this. been farther back but we know that this 500 foot tall radio tower just disappeared overnight um, nobody knew, and when somebody came to do some work in the radio station, I think it was the cleaning crew. Um, they basically got a call. Hey, sorry, your tower has been stolen. A 500 foot radio tower. It's like, what, what, how do you do that? What if your getaway vehicle is a Fiat or something? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's in a Miata and they're driving down the freeway with a 500 foot tower poking out of the back. Just hold it down, George. Just it makes hold more it sense because it does come in a convertible. True. So metal theft is on the rise, largely uh, linked to soaring commodity prices. Copper is roughly 30% more expensive than it was five years ago, for example. Steel spiked 200% during the pandemic, though prices have settled down significantly in the last two years. As such, thieves have taken to swiping everything from drain covers to copper uh, cabling. Uh, this is not news to me. I mean, I, in in the last 30 years, I have heard stories about all of this. Thieves were will thieve. <laughs> um, right. Wasn't there something where they recently took um, coding or whatever off of a bridge? Oh, really? I missed that one. I thought we saw one where it was like, maybe it was copper coated or something. Um, I mean, it's just like all yeah. these places where you wouldn't even think people would think something could be stolen from uh, it. Yeah, I think they took cladding, copper cladding. Um, Thank you. I couldn't think of what the, the name was. Yeah, I think that's what it was. And um, yeah, I've, I've uh, seen reports of people stealing the downspouts, the copper from that's used in some houses because um, it makes a really nice patina over the years and it's very robust um, after its oxidation you know builds up it, it's really nice looking um, and it adheres to the aesthetic of the particular community that might be in it but people come and steal it in the dead of night hey what's that sound and your your <laughs> gutters are gone um, so as the world electrifies and we depend more and more on machinery packed with copper, steel, and precious metals, this form of theft is getting even more serious. Meanwhile, victims are left wondering, is there any way to stop it? No. You know how you stop people from stealing stuff? You give them opportunity that doesn't uh, make them feel like their only outlet is to go and steal stuff because that's easier than getting a job. Um, that pays the bills. And some people are actually just wired to go and be a thief. And, and for those people, ultimately what's going to end up is jail. 
um, or they're going to get caught. They're going to learn their lesson quick and, and do a short stint or or uh, whatever. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, the wreckage of the pain media group mast after the theft, apparently they found it somewhere. So K95.5 was off the air for more than a week until pain could get an antenna secured for the part of the tower left standing. Um, they're still only broadcasting at half power. He says it appears the thieves cut the lengthy guy wires, um, that fastened the tower to the ground, destabilizing it so that it toppled. Then they allegedly harvested copper from the fallen sections. Uh, pain estimates repairs will cost half a million dollars, if not more. Oh my God, two people have been arrested in the case, a man and a woman who reported selling copper cabling, matching that from the tower at a scrapyard in neighboring Texas. So, yeah. And honestly, I mean, I hate to sit there and sound like I'm being sexist, but I can almost guarantee you that the woman there is sitting there going, she was not sitting next to this dude going, hey, let's go steal copper from the top of a tower. I mean, it sounds what? so sexist, <laughs> but have you ever spoken to anyone and said, hey, let's go and... You know what you should do? You should hop in the car with me and go for a ride and steal. You know, it's some uh, uh, tower. <laughs> yeah, tower. Yeah, <laughs> let's go steal a tower or at least because they didn't actually steal the tower. They cut the guy wire so it became unstable, fell over. It's kind of been misreported then that it was actually uh, stolen. No, no, no. There's two incidents. The one that you were talking about is not the one we reported about. Oh, this one's in Indiana. Which I in didn't realize. There's another one farther down, and it is the one we reported about. So there's been at least two of these. You see the one in Alabama. <laughs> yeah, okay. And and there's another one in India where uh, reports of a one-kilometer stretch of metal fencing was stolen from a highway. <laughs> Again, how do you take that? And then look at the transit network in South Africa. Apparently yeah. is having a significant problem with it. <laughs> This article this is, is really chock a block crazy. with just one thing after another. It's amazing. It's far from the only incident like it. Just a few weeks later, thieves targeted a smaller 200 foot radio tower in Alabama. In that case, they took the entire structure away, leaving the radio station owners bewildered. I think this is the one that we actually talked about. So yeah, uh, it's just bananas. They took the entire, Hey, Let's go look on eBay to see if we can find a 200 foot tower. Yeah. Okay. So there is a lot left in this article for you to review. It is over at wired.com. Some of their articles require you to have an account. I have an account, um, but I'm not going to be able to go through, or I should say we are not able to go through this entire article. Uh, but suffice it to say, if you've got a radio tower out there, there is the potential for some lunatic thieves to go and try and steal it. And I wish I was joking, but hey, there you have it. Ample evidence that it's taking place. And why? Because of greed. Everything is so damn expensive that people are becoming less fringe and, and going for big gigs like trying to steal an entire radio tower. Um, and anywhere that copper is, they're going to try and steal copper. You know, steel is pretty damn cheap. 
um, in the grand scheme of things, but copper and other precious materials are, are definitely something that thieves are going to be coming for as things get more and more difficult. So how did we get to this point? I'll, I just, I'll never know in my lifetime, you know, but I remember a time when I was young where, um, you know, families were standing around and, and the way that I have to describe this is maybe a, a little insensitive or it may come across as a little insensitive, but I can assure you, I come from this. So there was a time where people would get government cheese and other, um, uh, public uh, or yeah, publicly subsidized sources of nutrition. Um, and th this is in my lifetime. So within the last 50 years, the, th this, the costs have gotten so high that people had to lean on, um, public nutrition and that's largely stemming from what I would say is greed and everything old is new again, because we've been through this where there's high interest rates for real estate. Um, and the only people that can get the benefit of low interest rates are people that are deemed low risk. So who is that? The absolute wealthy, wealthy. that don't need that to begin with. That's right. And it really should be the, you know what? <laughs> It sounds so counterintuitive because it really is. If the risk is high, then there's a risk. Then the risk requires a higher interest rate. I totally get it. But the the reason why the risk is high isn't because they don't make the payments. The reason it is so high is because the payment is so high because everybody is charging so much. Because they, right, and then they end up defaulting, and then it just kind of perpetuates the the risk, the, the ideological bent. Yeah, that the that there's a risk, so you have to charge more. For crying out loud, private mortgage insurance, for instance, for people who don't put down twenty percent, is a huge weight on a mortgage, literally pushing somebody towards the edge of default month after month. Then on top of it your property goes up in value for, through no fault of your own. And then property taxes come along and add another ding to your bill, even though everything was all copacetic at one point. Now it's not because of various additional assessments. Um, it, it's just, it's unwieldy for the low and middle class and it's manageable, uh, to their benefit of the upper class and the ultra rich, because all they do is make money with their money and they don't have to worry about an interest rate. Yet I know some people that will move their entire business to save $600 million, even though they're worth a hundred billion dollars. Oh and, yes. I don't know who that would be. Yeah. We're not going to, that's not. So anyway, we are done for tonight. So we get into that party bus and we drive down main street and then we hit the refresh and I'm not gonna, because the AI is telling me that there's something that I can't display, I guess. I don't know. Out of, out of the top five, you want to take a guess? Oh no. Okay. We're done. So thank <laughs> you very much for coming. 
Uh, don't forget, we are here every day, typically at eight o'clock. Um, the last couple of times I've been running the show an hour earlier, um, just to see how it felt. Um, I actually like it at seven now, uh, more than eight, but we can't always make it show ready. Um, in the meantime, though, be sure to follow us here at twitch.tv slash hometown, then go over to YouTube, follow us there, subscribe, you know, like, uh, give a thumbs up kind of a thing and, and then download the podcast. It's now a network of three shows, hometown daily, um, reality hacker and the continuity report. We're going to be launching two new shows here on uh, the weekend, adding wanted and technology today, a gadget show and a deeper science show. Um, technology science um, bringing us to five my intent is to have 50 shows we'll be kicking off the ones more on the weekends but i'm still looking for hosts uh, for the daily uh, not daily they're weekly shows but they're during the weekdays um, and i'm not always available i have mayoral duties uh, that are currently preventing me from doing this uh, streaming full time. Um, so if you want to make a difference and make that happen where I can actually, uh, launch all 50 shows, uh, hopefully in my lifetime, um, be sure to follow us everywhere. There's a Patreon, there's a discord. Um, there's an only mayors. Just kidding. I always like joking <laughs> about that. Anyway, TikTok, podcast. Oh yeah. TikTok, the podcast for sure. Um, and you can catch YouTube. Us around YouTube. I already said YouTube. Can you? Where else? YouTube? Did you say YouTube? YouTube. YouTube. Yes. Still YouTube. Still YouTube. <laughs> oh, and the YouTube stuff. Um, it's all under Omtown. It doesn't have individual channels. So if you want to catch all of the shows that are going to be uh, available in video format, then go over to YouTube because uh, Twitch deletes the. <laughs> the show after 60 days, um, which is one of my greatest frustrations, but they are not going to allow people to start storing, you know, every single day, 24 hours worth of video, um, on, on uh, Twitch. So anyway, that's it. I'm Marwat. That's hometown.com. And up there is the visualizer for the sentient AI from the future. You want to say bye? Good night, hometown citizens. We will see you tomorrow at approximately 8 p.m. Eastern for another episode of Hometown Daily. See you soon. Bye-bye. Oh, look, this time it didn't splash back to my face. Look, everybody, you don't have to worry about seeing my face at the very last minute of the video. Bye.